produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is two of the Smugglers 3. It's Derek and myself, Mike. And of course, we have part-time Smuggler from the the outer realm of Marvel and all other known realms of art, JTC. How you doing, John? What up, y'all? Thank you for your patience. Oh, our, <laughs> we also have from another outer rim post, the Roco Depot, Steven. Uh, Glad to be here. And then we have from that ship that flies around and does whatever from the Falcons Lounge, Jim. How you doing? How so I was gonna come back with how's everybody doing? <laughs> doing good. Well I'm gonna good. I just had an adventure in getting food. <laughs> I, I was telling these guys before we got started. Um I got off work at nine. It takes me almost a half hour to get home. I stopped, got food. By the time I got to the house it was nine fifty. Scarfing down a barbecue chicken sandwich from a place called PDQ. Oh my god. W- wonderful restaurant and fries in ten minutes. I'm hurting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurt. Uh, business side of things. Go to wookieradio.net. On the right-hand side, as you're looking at the screen, you'll see uh, there's a picture there that has rotating images. That's our new store where you can pick up um, Wookie Radio hats, Wookie Radio, a couple of Wookie Radio hockey jerseys, a really cool baseball jersey, T-shirts, sweatshirts, tanks. It's our new merch store. Check it out. Uh, it's there for you guys. So, um, So Star Wars Resistance. That's one of the first things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, everyone has seen the first episode? Yeah. The recruit? Initial well, first three. Right there with you, John. I think Steven's the same way, but Jim and Derek did not see it. And we don't know how many listeners, how many of you, the listeners, realized all three, you know, three episodes dropped. Um, so with the recruit, what was everyone's initial uh, opinion of the show? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it I thought good. it was fun. I think it was typical new show from from Lucasfilm. The animation was a hair rough, but we saw that as well with Clone Wars. We saw that with Rebels. But we know it's gonna get better, and it's gonna and it's gonna it's gonna happen fairly quick as they get accustomed to drawing the figures, drawing the locations. Um, so I, I have lots of faith there. But no, I I, I like the. Uh, I'm liking where it's going at the moment. I hate um, I want to know more about the new repo- the the squad that Kaz is a part of before being recruited by Poe. Because the, the helmets yeah, are yeah. different, the the uniforms are a little different. It'll be interesting if we see those characters come back later in the show. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was that was a really cool opening too. I thought. Yeah, I'm hoping that it, it kind of deals with what <clears throat> like the Clone Wars did in that I really got the impression <clears throat> that they're going to help kind of establish what constitutes the resistance versus, you know, in the first yeah, war. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got that feeling too. Which is something I'm, I'm really excited to see. Because um, I thought they did a, a, a cool job with kind of setting it up, having Leia. Spoiler. Leia, you know, appear in the in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see where it goes from there. I mean, I won't spoil it, but they they reveal another um, character in I think it's the end of the second episode um, to kind of show how it might tie in with some of the other with the movies. Yeah. Um. Try. Oh, Stephen, you were mentioning Sam Witwer is on the cast. Let's do a quick rundown of the cast that we're somewhat aware of in this first episode. Yeah, I mean, with the the main cast, you've got Christopher Sean playing Kaz. Uh, you've got Josh Brenner playing Niku. Scott Lawrence playing Jarek. Uh, which was a name I didn't recognize when I heard it, but when I looked him up, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy in movies before. Uh, Susie McGrath playing Tam. Uh, Bobby Moynihan playing Orca, uh, the Shadra fan that's in the, the workshop. Um, and there's a couple of other big names that kind of pop in there. I mean, it's kind of snuck in. Like with Sam Whitworth, he's one of the New Republic pilots in the beginning there, flying with Kaz. Uh, D. Bradley Baker actually voices a couple of the First Order officers. Uh, Greg Proops, the guy who was in the announcer on the uh, the Phantom Menace, he sneaks in there as the announcer in the race in the show. So that yeah, was interesting. Yeah. Now, do we see Jaeger in the movies? As uh, far as I know, this is his first appearance. Okay. But it's it's cool where he eventually goes and, and some information we get. But I believe that happens in uh, the the two episodes that a lot of people might not realize dropped. Um, I'm really digging the looks of the characters. I really love Bucket. And I, I'm surprised they're listing him as an R1. Because that's not a typical R1 shell. Um, but no, I. To try it. This whole thing between Resistance and New Republic. What's the tie? Um, it, it, it's, it seems different than what it was. Well, I guess it is kind of similar to what we have in the Clone Wars. Building up. You know, I, I just I found it really interesting that they didn't establish like okay when you watch Clone Wars obviously because it was based on the films with the exception of Ahsoka you kind of already had this established team with Rebels they really fleshed out in that first episode you kind of or the first several episodes you knew who the cat main cast was 
after having seen three of episodes of this, I'm really kind of curious who the ensemble is going to be. I mean, they kind of establish it, but it doesn't seem as as focused on a, on a certain group of people other than the one character. Right. Um, he's got a couple friends, but like it, with rebels, right. It followed the, the everyone on the ghost. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of excited about the opportunity that it's going to explore multiple characters and have people come in and out um, and get to know uh, the, is it the Colossus, the, the giant yes. uh, place. Like I'm excited to learn more about it. You know, like I'm legitimately excited to see what characters come in, how, they're going to relate to each other. And that's, that to me is exciting, you know, rather than, um, is, is somebody who, you know, not to drop the rival's name, but like, I'm a big, bigger fan of Star Trek deep space nine than I was of, of next generation. I agree with you on that. And I think one of the reasons for that is, is because it developed the community there and had people come in as opposed to we're going other places. Right. Similar to how, you know, with rebels, it's all about little fall and what was going on. Like, I really enjoyed those episodes a lot. So, Well, I'm, I'm thinking the main ensemble group is going to be Kaz, Niku, Tam, Jaeger, Bucket, um, and maybe as that outsider, uh, Tora. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they made, they made a big deal about several of the, like, the pilots they show in that first episode that are like in the race when he's watching the first race. Right. <clears throat> and I'm like, Oh man, there's like a lot of potential there to have. Cause again, they're, they're always going to be there. It's not like, Oh, well, we visited this one planet and now we're going to leave and probably never see that person again. <clears throat> I can really see an opportunity there to grow those characters as well as um, like the commandant who lives in the ivory tower, you know, on the planet. So again, I think it's just really, it's a unique dynamic that we did not see in rebels that I think, I mean, it's, it's different, which is what I'm excited about. Right. Well, yeah, I think that'll be a good thing. Oh, yeah. Be a different take, yeah. And, and we find out in um, the third episode that dropped that we're not going to talk about, unfortunately. Uh, we 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 learn more about the Aces and, and another role they have on the Colossus. But um, one of the things that I thought was cool was in the beginning, the Imperial or the the First Order TIE pilot, how his TIE fighter was red. He was red. And I I remember Filoni talking about giving this kind of a World War II vibe. Oh, wow. The Red Baron. Yeah. And there's our World War I. But it's... the first order, the empires kind of had that axis vibe to it. That's your that's your ace pilot from there, and to you know, as as John got to before me, it's the Red Baron. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that's a that's a really unique, to, interesting take. I I was just really happy with how <clears throat> on the Colossus, right? They establish they establish really tightly that there is the the new republic is is the governing body and that the colossus it it establishes the first order is not a government 
And there was, you know, it's almost like the First Order is a resistant, there's a fringe organization that's looking for power. And the resistance is being formed to oppose them. But in the greater scheme of the galaxy, like all people are welcome because it's not like this is an imperial, you know, training academy or place. It's not a, you know, republic. It's it's almost like a third party type of thing, which I thought was a really interesting take on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that was I kind of like that idea. Well, I think it's just it's, it's those little subtleties because the, the story itself and I don't know, I mean, Clone Wars had it as well with, you know, Ahsoka and the R2E and all that other stuff um, where they start out and it seemed much more kiddie. Resistance seems much more geared towards children than the Clone Wars. But again, the other ones felt that way first. But Filoni does such a great job of layers and texture to stories that I can't help but feel in the future. It's going to start paying off with a more mature storytelling structure, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like a Harry Potter feel where it kind of, you start out kind of kiddish, but then it starts to get a little bit more serious and more serious and more serious as it goes along because you're getting closer and closer to when the, when the First Order starts to really come into business. Well, yeah, well, I mean, because every episode, uh, at least in the first three, had that like almost um, Saturday morning cartoon vibe of there's the moral of the story, you know, like pay attention or be careful who you be- make with friends. But yeah. it's that little subtext that I love that he put in there that I, I think is going to start paying off further down the road to really yeah. like develop the characters and bring the audience along with it. <clears throat> yeah, almost as almost as if you're learning with the characters as the characters learn and develop. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's, really cool. it, instead of Spider-Man or Spidey and his amazing friends, it's Kaz and his amazing, co- amazing <laughs> cohorts. <you> <laughs> I think it is a good way to um, to tell to kind of get into the origin of how the first order came about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely got a, a nice, lighthearted feel to it here in the beginning. But from what I've been hearing, they're planning on the show will eventually overlap with the Force Awakens. So when it gets to that point, I think we might see a change in tone with the show. Well, I, I think yeah, I think like I think like any other kind of like like war film or or you know movies or or shows that depict war. You know, this is like the training area. This is the time when you first start getting on board. And then later on, as you go along, you find out that it's a lot more serious than what you thought. You know, and mm. and kind of kind of the way that you learned in 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 um, you know the Force Awakens, where the First Order wasn't taken all that seriously. I mean, a lot of people were like, yeah, whatever. The you know, the Resistance seemed to build itself separate from you know the rest of the you know the New Republic, mm. and so eventually they had to take them seriously when they blew up Hosnian Prime, but. You know, but I mean, you know, at first they weren't really focused on the first order and the first order kind of just kind of came in and was just like like harassing people, you know, going along. And so, you know, these guys are coming in just learning, just, you know, you know, the limited I I, I hate to say I haven't seen it yet, but I'm dying to see it. But I've seen little bits. But, you know, it it seems like these guys are the, you know, they're new, they're young, wet behind the ears kind of kids. And they're learning from a lot of people that are a little bit more experienced 
um, you know, uh, and and they're just they're they're starting to get a hint of kind of what to expect that it's not going to be all fun and games and happy go lucky times. There's there's going to be some real things coming. Well, and you just brought up something that that made me think, um, kind of inspired me like I did John with the whole Red Baron thing. You said training area um, type stuff. You know, we are talking resistance. Yep. Who's to say that the Colossus isn't like France in either World War One or World War Two, where the French resistance was the underground for a lot of things, prisoners and everything else, to help spur and get that information to, to go after the Third Reich or the First Order, whatever you want yep. you want to go. And that this outpost is a representation of a France, so to speak. Yeah, with that, I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it, and I think that it can it can go a variety of ways. And this is again, I guess, where I talk about when I when I mentioned like the tone or like how kid friendly versus mature you want to get it. But like, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do on a geopolitical nature um, with a place like that, right? You know, because especially if you get into after um, the Force Awakens, like what happens when the government basically gets destroyed? Like, there's a coup, or well, there's not a coup, but everyone in the government basically is dead. So. Now you've got kind of no I mean, during the last Jedi, like who's running the galaxy at that point? Yeah, because you don't even yeah you don't even really know because you're you know you've got the resistance. You're focused on the resistance and and the first order trying to crush you, and then you're trying to figure out what's left of you know the new republic. I mean, there's just I mean it 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 always had like you know the galaxy far far away always had that weird feel of you know the core. The core planets always kind of had like this little semi-ins of government. And then the further out you got in the spiral, you know, the, the, the less government influence you had, the mid-rim and the outer-rim territories were just absolutely kind of like, you know, the Wild West kind of feel to them where, you know, hey, the law really didn't matter. We don't take Republic credits here, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So – you know, I think they were so more, much more used to it. And I think, you know, it, it, I, I'm really interested in to see how, you know, the First Order kind of fleshes out. Like, you know, I read the Aftermath books and those were really cool because they gave a lot of stuff in between kind of like how the First Order originally started. But it doesn't give you the full story or it doesn't give you the story of when the First Order kind of comes back you know, in into the galaxy and starts like, you know, where do they, you know, what are their, what's their intention? What are they there to do? Well, you're kind of finding out. And this is, I think, is a good kind of introduction to that to see, you know, kind of where, you know, how, how everything kind of fits in and kind of like fill in the blanks a little bit, because this is a really good gap story between when the first order kind of arrives and you know like the force awakens you know so i think it, it, i'm real interested in seeing how the how the series progresses and it, i mean i like the you know i like the you know i like the animation it's it's pretty cool it's almost like the uh it's almost like uh, link letters uh you know scanner darkly kind of kind of uh soft shaded uh cell animation pretty cool well on StarWars.com, uh, they are doing with this series like they did with Clone Wars, like they did with Rebels, where there's the whole episode guide. And it's cool that they're using Bucket for a lot of this. Uh, there's a video that they've got talking. It's Bucket's List, the recruit, talking about uh, stuff from the, the recruit. Now, the X-Wings we see in the beginning of the episode are apparently T-85s. 
what was used in the original mm. trilogy were T-65s, and what we see in Force Awakens are, two, are T-70s. So we, we get the Macquarie look with, the, with Force Awakens, with um, Last Jedi, but these are... It, the New Republic X-Wings apparently are a newer ship. Um, they also, as this video is playing quickly, um, the TIE Fighters. Apparently the First Order has hyperdrive-equipped TIE Fighters now, which we re I think we saw, what, a ship that had that in Rebels? The, the, the TIE Defender had that? Or am I thinking yeah. wrong? Uh, I don't remember. I do know. I am thinking in the, like the, when they start doing the episode guide or the movie guides for like the Force Awakens and stuff, I think they were saying that the First Order ties are now hyperdrive capable as well. Okay. I know they have shields, but yeah. I think that again goes back to like, it's a, it's a really cool layer there of the idea that, so in, in Resistance, this the New Republic and this, like, you know, again, privatized installation of the Colossus would have really up-to-the-day, high-end, the, the newest of the new cool stuff. The First Order would have the same thing due to their militant nature. But then the Resistance, because they're effectively, they're not technically part of the, the New Republic, as I understand it. Like, they're members of the New Republic, but they're creating this on the side in opposition of the First Order. That There's a good chance they're not going to be able to have the cream of the crop everything, and they're going to have to rely on maybe slightly outdated technology, which right. I think is like... A that's really cool to me. Like, again, that's that's something that they don't spell out. But the more you think about it, you're like, that's really that's neat. That's really like well thought out. Oh, yeah, completely. Well, uh, also, it, no, go ahead, Jim. No, I was going to say it also kind of brings it back, you know, full full swing back to, you know, the original trilogy. When, you know, they were, you know, the Rebel Alliance and they were just a cobbled together, hey, you know, hey, I got a couple of ships. You want them? You know, here, there you go. You know, I mean, they, they were they weren't playing with anything really good. They were they were buying whatever they could, getting them together and, and going out and fighting. And so I always felt like like and you kind of see it in The Force Awakens. You know, when you first see Leia again is that, you know, hey, man, she's she's back to where she originally started. And that's back, you know, a ragtag group of people just fighting what they feel is, you know, some pretty bad characters. Yeah. Now, the next the next thing brought up is we see the New Republic crest for the first time. And this would be the blue uh, rebel insignia with the yellow starburst behind it, yeah. which I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, when I first saw it, I'm like, uh, this is interesting. Now, it was first used in Aftermath. Yep. Um, so I think the description came there, but to finally see it on screen is, is pretty cool. And then we go to the Gorgs, which was something first <laughs> mentioned in The Phantom Menace. And it's what we see um, Jar Jar Binks eating at the market when, when that gets him in trouble. Yeah. So um, those were the four things that Bucket points out to us. Uh, but there are also some fun facts about Resistance that you know, we could use to tie in. Um, the, the new X-Wings, uh, again, oh, um, Bird is the Word is one thing that uh, how they come up with some of these topic titles in their stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but that's why they're Lucasfilm and we're not. Um, early notes about Kaz's character describe him as like a bird. 
hopping around clumsily on the ground, but put him in the air and he is awesome. Mm-hmm. So sort of like that bird out of nest, first out of the nest type type feel. Sure. Okay. Or, yeah. or 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 even better, like a Goonie bird. You know, I mean, if you ever yeah. saw them, I mean, they're 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 pretty big characters. You know, birds. They fly very well, but as soon as they try to land or walk, even they they just fall all over themselves. He, he just needs to be careful if he ever finds a golden retriever following him. <laughs> um, of course, the hyperdrives uh, we we just talked about uh, the New Republic crest. Um, then. Welcome back, Greg Props. Uh, of course, he returns as the the race announcer, um, but it's not the two-headed announcer like we saw him in Phantom Menace. Uh, although the voice is, say, is the same, uh, it's more of the copycat to try and invoke that classic announcer style. Uh, right now, I'm I'm glad we're seeing that there is no actual character to associate the announcer with. It's just the voice. It's sort of like in MASH. You had that camp announcer (laughs) in MASH. You know, everyone else got on the PA as well, but you had that one guy and no one knew who it was. Yep. Um, how good is Tora, Tora Doza? Um, her stats translated from Arabish list the following. Time in the top five, 100%. Challenge rate, 87%. Finishes, 100%. Wins, 100%. Wins by disqualification, 100%. Top speed, 92%. So, Not too shabby. No? How could her wins be 100% though if Hype Faison is supposed to be the number one racer? Well, didn't they establish that she's also the youngest and newest yeah. So maybe she just hasn't had a chance. To, like, I guess I'm looking at this. Like, there's an interesting thing because I, I don't know how long they're going to stay on the Colossus. Also, like, that's another thing that's probably you know worth worth talking about is is this just like a season one shtick and then they might go to a new location as the resistance grows. Um, I mean, he has a very defined mission as to why he's there. Right. But there's kind of an interesting angle of well, however long they are on the Colossus of like, they set it up almost like a video game, right? Like you can see him moving through the ranks and starting to challenge bigger bosses every time through. And that can be like these almost mini narratives that he starts to work towards. Like, Hey, I'm going to challenge, um, this one girl first. And then he goes on to the, I think the second one was a guy. And then there was the blonde haired girl. And then there was another one. And there was hype. I want to say, cause there's, uh, five total. there's Bo Keevil mm-hmm. hype phase on, uh, Freya Fenris, who's the, the European sounding one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Torah, uh, Bo Keevil is the one that I'm assuming he's the same race as, uh, as Plo Kloon. Yeah. Keldor. Yeah, he's a Caldorian. But I, just, I think that that can offer a really interesting, again, like almost a, a mini arc as he keeps going. Because you know the the girl that he raced in the first episode was she was like super bubbly and happy, and I can't fathom that she's not going to start becoming a more reoccurring character in the future. One of the interesting things I came across in one of the interviews is. Uh, they said for inspiration of the show, since they're going to be staying on the station a lot, they wanted to get an idea of how do you make a show that where the scenery is the same the whole time? How do you keep it interesting? And for inspiration, they looked to Cheers of all places. And I thought that was really interesting because I can kind of see where they're going with that. It's developing the characters, making the characters interesting, different character situations in each episode. So at one point, do we see a character walk into the cantina or Aunt Z's place? And as that character walks in, everyone says that character's name. Well, here's the thing. If you pay attention to that cantina, 
there's this old guy at the end of the bar with a gray mustache, and he's always there in that same spot. And at one point in one of the episodes where they show before the bar even opens, he's like the first guy in line to get into the cantina right when it opens. So I think he's the norm. <laughs> Actually, that'd be more Cliff. Yeah, it could be well, either well, Cliff well, or, or Norm. Well, Norm, well Norm, Norm had his seat. So Norm, I mean, Cliff, oh, Cliff Clavin. Yeah, remember Cliff? Cliff was the 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 journeyman in that situation, but Norm had his seat. And well, there was a whole show. It, there was a whole episode about Norm. Someone sitting in Norm's seat. <laughs> let us let us not forget that Cliff has been in the Star Wars universe. Yes, he has, yeah. and every hey, Pixar movie. For all we know, he could be voicing that character. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I think it'd be cool if George Went was the one who was to voice the the old guy at the end of the bar. <laughs> and then another guy with a woolly mustache comes over. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, now, it, the next one, what does that say? The sign outside the shop that Flicks and Orca run identifies it as Office of Acquisitions. <laughs> uh, quite fitting. But in this picture, they show that maintenance guy with the pumpkin head or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I want to know more about that guy. <laughs> They teased in an interview that we will see more of him. <laughs> this is great. Because I want an action figure for that guy as well. <laughs> I don't know if we actually get to see him, but he's supposed to be in Maz's castle in the, like, the cantina scene. He was one of the creatures. Really? I, I don't know if he just barely had a glimpse of him or not, but they actually did like a whole short story just for that guy. <laughs> oh, wasn't 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 that the big guy the with a uh, the girl was sitting on him on his lap or something like that? And she's the one who called the resist. Uh, I mean, uh, she's the one who called uh, the first order. No, no, that's a, that's a different alien. It, oh. th this guy is around Jawa Ugnat. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Um, big giant fluffy yellow head, and he's got goggles on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. Yeah, he looks like a kind of looks like a uh, almost like a what's that? What's that? Uh, Southeast Asian fruit with the with the little pointing points on it. Sort of. I was thinking a Star Wars version, but smaller of HR Puff and stuff. Now, also to Gorgs are first introduced um, back in Phantom Menace. Uh, now we see the Gorgs back again in uh, Star Wars Resistance on the Colossus, which is something that Flix and Orca wants as payment to get the parts for, for Jaeger. I think it's interesting how they don't eat it. And it was kind of kind of hinted at that that thing might be sticking around their shop. <laughs> yeah, as a pet, it's like animal rescue. <laughs> they um, seem like they make good good guard dogs too from that one like little slapstick scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, over on StarWars.com in the episode guide is the episode gallery for the recruit and one for in the concept art gallery. Um, the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm missing, I wish they did was the trivia, trivia gallery. Cause I know there's a lot of Easter eggs in this that I've missed. 
I know somebody got a screenshot inside the the cantina where you can see like uh, a piece of like one of the Clone Wars shuttles, like the ones where they used to have the artwork on the outside of the shuttle, like the pinup pictures. There's like a no, chunk no, no, no. of one of those in the back of the cantina okay. bar where you can actually see like the uh, pinup art. I think it's of a Kowakian monkey lizard holding like a bomb. <laughs> nice. Well, like and I know, I know behind the bar there's like a bunch of helmets, like a Mandalorian helmet and some A-wing pilot helmets and stuff like that so well i i have found an article that, that lists maybe easter eggs i found one that has 11 easter eggs <laughs> 11 wow mm. now, why don't you go ahead and take that eric well okay see if we remember seeing them so the first thing they have listed is uh the uh just, all right here we go uh the opening shot and they sh- they talk about um when uh, Kaz's ship was flying in, <clears throat> and all you saw was the uh, the droid's head at first. Yeah. Yeah, as it slowly enters the camera. <laughs> yeah. With that typical pan down after the title sequence. Yeah. Uh, the next thing they mention is the TIE Interceptor, the red one, which uh, we all, the first time we saw the TIE Interceptor was in Return of the Jedi. I I like the new look of the wings with this as well. Yeah, yeah, I do, do too, yeah. Do you think that this Red Baron character, maybe that's like his old TIE Interceptor from being an old Imperial pilot before he joined the First Order? I I think that's definitely a possibility. Could be, or quite possible, or it could, or it could be one of the. Uh, um, there was a cast of characters. If you if you read Thrawn, the original Thrawn book when it first came out, there was a cast of there was a cast of these characters that attacked, um, like they attacked Thrawn, and um, they got sent out, and they became like the aces of 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 all the of all the tie fighters um you know back before you know they went out and became you know watch them call these 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 could be the offspring of that you know yeah i mean yeah maybe like like i mean there's there's some interesting so i mean it's, it's going to be interesting to see their backstories but i'm just kind of thinking here so the next thing they mention of course is they talk about bb8 poe dameron and general leo organa and of course, that Oscar Isaac plays Poe Dameron, but they also mention that um, they talk about the scene where Poe Dameron is talking to Leia uh, as a hologram, and she says uh, they talk about they just discovered that the First Order is planning a full-scale attack on the New Republic, and the presumption is that this is the attack that we see in The Force Awakens. And it also says, is if you listen closely, you can hear Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Yeah, caught that. Um, the next one, of course, is the blockade runner, which we're all very familiar with. Speaking of the opening scene. Yeah, when, when Poe mentions that you know this ship went from Scarif to the Battle of Jakku, I was almost wondering, is this the Tantive Four? I was, I was th- wondering that, too. Um, I was trying to think that what would the fate? What would the fate of the Tantive Four been? Because the last time we saw it was on Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. Right. Yeah. They're not just going to let it go. You know, they'd put it like an impound yard or something at least. Yeah. True. Or just flat out destroy it. (laughs) Yeah. But we do see so many blockade runners though in Return of the Jedi with the battle Mm -hmm. over Endor. So could have been one of those. Uh, They also mentioned that the scene where we see the blockade runner 
we see that it engulfs uh, Kaz's ship, which kind of mirrors the scene in in uh, A New Hope, where the the uh, Star Destroyer captures it, the the Tantive Four. Right. And then they mention the Battle of Scarif all the way up to Jakku. Um, the next they mentioned there's a Mandalorian helmet. Oh, in Aunt Z's tavern. I like and Aunt the, Z. Yeah, cool. I do too. And they show a picture of it. There's a Mandalorian. There's a couple other helmets. Looks like an A-wing pilot's helmet up top. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it's hard oh. to tell next to the if that's a Thai pilot helmet. Yeah, it almost looks like it could be, but it's hard to tell. But the uh, they all. But there's a blue helmet in the upper corner of this picture that's really got my interest. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. They also mentioned that Aunt Z is the same species as Ankar Plut, who was played by Simon Pegg's, Pegg, of course, in The Force Awakens. Uh, the next thing they mention is all the different aliens, which is kind of nice to see. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we had as many aliens in Rebels as I would like to have seen. Yeah. Um, so on the Colossus, they mentioned that you can find a Bith, um, Snaggletooth, Soliston, Gotal, Arcona, and more. And uh, they also mentioned the Kowakian mon- monkey lizard. Yeah, I was really happy with the the variety of the aliens involved because, you know, Rebels was so was very it was all about the old original concept art for a lot of the creatures, um, yeah. which was awesome. But it's a lot of fun to see the classic aliens merging with from the different time periods also because um, it just helps reinforce again like this is one universe and all of these creatures exist in the same reality and, and like you brought up before the colossus is deep space nine and look yeah. at all the aliens that came through there i think that was one of the things that i absolutely loved about deep space nine over next generation and, and voyager was you saw a lot more of what lives in the galaxy that the federation you know participates with now we're kind of seeing that with with the new republic with the outer realms what we're seeing a lot more races involved or a lot more aliens involved um that exist in the star wars universe and it's just going to be fun to see how much more is going to get created well in any chance i think you have an opportunity to expand on the species is really fun too right like um and i apologize if it wasn't in the first episode but there's like there's it kind of comes this running gag of this one alien at the bar looking for a roommate he thinks Kaz like keeps wanting Kaz to be his roommate it's really yeah, funny. that was um, the Arcona yeah but like yeah. he's shaped differently than a normal like than what we've seen in the like he's like larger he's a little more broad um and I like seeing that and I like seeing how you know here's a one shot of a character in, in a film is just a background but now to like explore you know going back to the DS9 thing the whole thing of like we had Klingons, but then we learn Klingon coffee is Rakuchinos and all these mm-hmm. other little nuances that help. Again, it just fleshes out the world, which to me is really important. And as much as I love and I loved Rebels, again, it didn't focus on expanding a lot of pre-existing creatures because it was, you know, there was almost like it was a love letter to Star Wars fans and the history of Star Wars, not the history right. of Star Wars exists in. Right, yeah. Now, Rebels was more of that story of this is how we get to Rogue One. Right. And and this is how the rebellion begins. Right. Um, which I think was very important because um, we're kind of seeing that now. This is how the resistance begins. But I think this is a totally different spin, different take on it. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the next thing they mention is uh, 
monster tats. Um, and they show uh, um, they show the tattoos of the the what's his name there? Uh, oh, never mind. Bolza, right? Yes, yes, Bolza. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then they actually list some of his tattoos. He has a rancor uh, from Return of the Jedi, of course. He has the emblem of Crime Syndicate Black Sun. Um, and then he has a Rathtar, uh, which you may remember from Force Awakens. And, of course, he has the space slug from Empire Strikes Back. So he's like a walking Easter egg. <laughs> so uh, next up, we... Which hmm? one of you guys is going to be the first one to get one of these tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> real, or, real, the or space temporary. leg was pretty funny looking. I think we should I'm all right. pick. We should all pick one and you know <laughs> have it like a little, like a little club. I could go for the Rancor one, I think. <laughs> so the next, next up, they have pit droids. Ah, oh, it was so cool seeing pit droids again. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and of course, they also mentioned Greg Poops, his role in it. Um, and then next, they mentioned Womp Rats. Yeah. So uh yeah, they talk about they talk about the uh the gorgs and that they are re- referred to as the Womp Rats of the Sea. Sorry, that did Charlie. A- <laughs> that did actually make me laugh when they said that. I was like, yeah. Uh, next up they have the Coaxium. Oh, when when they said Womp Rats of the Sea, all I could think of was uh Starkest tuna. <laughs> Chicken of the sea. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> So, in resistance, uh, some of Kaz's new friends have scored some Corellian hyperfuel, otherwise known as Coaxium, which is the prize that everybody in the galaxy is after in Solo, a Star Wars story. And, of course, the biggest one of all is Starkiller Base, which the aforementioned Red TIE Fighter flies to. I do have to admit, when they showed Starkiller in that first episode, I mean, it looked great. With the animation style, it just looked yeah. really great. It, yeah, yeah it, it really did, yeah. So, well, to wrap up the Resistance talk, unless people still have a few more things to discuss about it, uh, at New York Comic Con, Hasbro announced the figures for, for Star Wars Resistance, almost as Star Wars Rebels. Why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we have coming out, we have Kaz. Um, we also have a few other figures. Uh, we, we have um, Major Vonrig, who is the pilot. Uh, Commander Pyre, who is a black and gold stormtrooper. Uh, the regular First Order trooper. Uh, we have Pat uh, Poe and, and BB-8. We have um, Tora. Uh, there's uh, Jaeger and Buckethead, which Buckethead I want. <laughs> uh, that's a cool-looking astromech. And it's like, okay, we had Chopper. Now we got Buckethead. I want to see the protocol droid that ends up going with Buckethead. <laughs> <laughs> to be the uh, the phantom menace c-3po yeah yeah because i mean if you think about it we we've got c-3po and r2d2 then with rebels we ended up with ap7 and chopper (sighs) as the duo they were comedy gold (laughs) then karen gilliam brings us bt1 and triple zero which along with dr afra are coming to the six inch black series yeah in the future (laughs) $60 $60 wasted, but well spent. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so now with Buckethead, I'm curious to see what's going to be the protocol-esque droid that goes with Buckethead. 
um, as a companion. Um, so, yeah, they, there's one figure here. I do not, they don't mention her name, but I, I don't recognize who she is. I don't think we've seen her yet in the series. And, and they don't, they don't mention her name. Hmm. She almost, she almost has the same skin tone as, uh, um, Zam Weasel, that purplish tone, hmm. but there's, there's, oh, uh, she was in, she's in one of the episodes, okay. um, I believe the second episode. Um, I don't, don't want to say who it, I don't want to say, cause I don't want to spoil it, but she's in episode two. Found the name for her. Her name is Sinara San. So okay. that's that. <laughs> But no, these figures look great. Uh, they're kind of they're they're still only the 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 five points of articulation, um, but they they look amazing. I, I I like how they're they're still like the original clone, um, micro series Clone Wars figures, and and even kind of what they did with Rebels. They keep that cartoonish look to them. Yeah, I think it's smart because I mean the nice thing the way the way Hasbro structured everything, which I, I think is just brilliant is you can have your different toy lines corresponding to the different series, movies, what have you, but then you've got something like the Black series that encapsulates everything, which has that unified look and feel. You know, that's yeah. one of the reasons, why, as cool as I like the smaller Ahsokas, the Black series Ahsoka is my favorite because all of those, they can sit right next to Darth Vader or Luke and feel like they exist in the same universe. Right. Right now, I'm waiting for him to show toys for Orca and Flicks because those are the two I want: <laughs> the Shatter Fan and the Chicken. <laughs> that that would be cool. And Flicks is the Chicken one, right? Yeah. Man, talking about legs. Yeah. <laughs> so, anything else about Resistance? I'm curious. Did, have... you guys, did you guys watch Resistance by yourselves, or did you watch them with? with did you watch it with anybody else? I, I've watched it by myself. Um, my da- my daughter's off this coming Monday, Tuesday, and I'm going to be wasting two hours of her time watching this. And, <laughs> and I can't wait to see what how she reacts. That's what I'm curious about is because I, I watched it by myself as well, and I, I'm really excited to see what my kids think of it and what the, their take is. My mom's actually got like a home theater with like a 10 foot movie screen and actual oh, movie theater seats tiered and everything. Oh, so we watched it in there with my family <laughs> and everybody liked it. They had fun, enjoyed it. So it was cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> so season two premiere, Wookie Radio Party over at Steven's place. Yeah. <laughs> and there's room. <laughs> bring your bring your own popcorn. <laughs> there's room for 15 people with the seats. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Nice. Well, we can pull it off. Yeah, I think so. Well, maybe we don't have to wait that long. Maybe we could do the party for the Mandalorian. Ooh. <laughs> um, I will admit, last week when this came out, uh, around the time of New York Comic Con, uh, the first thing we got was from John Favreau. Um, oh, I did not screen capture his thing. Basically, it was a rundown of the Mandalorian. And the f- when I first read it, I totally missed Gunfighter. <laughs> I saw Gunslinger. I'm like, oh, it's a Sabine live action series. Cool. <laughs> then we get the picture. And I'm like, that's not Sabine. Ah, <laughs> uh, not white. Then I went back and I saw Gunfighter. And I'm like, 
Okay. So we see the 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 stock end of a rifle that's reminiscent of Boba Fett's rifle from the holiday special cartoon. We also see a chrome helmet on this Mandalorian. Uh, and the armor is brownish and, and tan. You know, I'm thinking next Wookiee Radio specialty jersey is this guy's, is the armor look of this guy because it fits our colors. <laughs> um. <laughs> But I'm looking at this going, okay, John Favreau is bringing us to Gunsmoke or Bonanza of the Star Wars universe or the Rifleman. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to get too far ahead on things. I mean, we, so far we've seen one image. Right. But, you know, just like the, the artist person in me, marketing in me, of why they pick this image, right? And I, what I love is like, I'm usually not a fan of like the all brown like, you know, because that's just like kind of got played out there for a while when right. it came to like mm-hmm. movies just got toned very dull and brown. But for Star Wars, it's awesome because we haven't seen something like that per se. You know, like right. there's so much in that image that speaks almost to the antithesis of what we've been speaking about with resistance of being this like bright, colorful, very kid friendly. And that's I think, you know, we've talked about this before on previous shows of how much the idea of like let's see the bigger world of star wars like we don't need the same even type of story we want to see different adult kid-friendly bright and colorful dreary dark you know mean-spirited even if you will like and this looks really interesting from just a juxtaposition standpoint yeah it, definitely i mean the the colors of the background are almost the same color mm-hmm. but the, the thing i liked about this picture is if you look at it yeah you can see where he blends in and could disappear amongst the crowd but in this image he still stand while kind of camouflaged he stands out big time and it's a, a big pop and it looks great well, I think the gun smoke analogy is very just from again, just judging from this one image, like just very apropos, man. I mean, it looks very westerny, and yeah, you know, and I hate to say it because I, I feel it's gotten kind of I, I don't want to say firefly, but I'm saying firefly if that makes sense. <laughs> Could be. Um, well, I, I hate that people think that firefly invented the concept of the space western, but yeah, I know, right? It's the best analogy people understand yeah um so yeah i mean there there's there's no talk about and basically it's we follow the travels of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy uh far from the authority of the new republic so we know it's post um post empire or post return of the jedi um but i mean now that you know the, the empire has fallen the new republic's in place if this is taking place even midway between jedi and force awakens just how much out there in the galaxy do we get that would be old west isk mm-hmm. you, you you want me to give you a hint sure tatooine baby tatooine True. Your Mandal your Mandalorian if it if it follows the storyline like I think it like I think it is because I mean it hasn't been said a hundred percent yet, but this is from uh, the first aftermath book from Chuck Winning um, comes out with a character by the name of. Cobb Vanth and Cobb Vanth uh, shows up in Tatooine, meets up with a couple of Jawas, tries to get rolled by some uh, some unsavory fellas on the uh, good old sands of Tatooine and ends up uh, finding himself a uh, box of Mandalorian armor that's sitting in a corner. 
And oh, that's right. Yeah. And and he takes this box of Mandalorian armor after he kills just about every person in the place, takes it with him. And now everybody automatically would assume that, hey, if it's Tatooine and, you know, this is the place where, uh, you know, Boba Fett met his unsavory end at the bottom of a gar- of the uh, uh, the. Uh, at the bottom of the uh, Sarlacc. The, the Sarlacc pit. Uh, sorry, I had, a, I had a slip of the tongue there. <laughs> but he, uh, but uh, I, no one ever said that the Sarlacc actually pooped out the armor, and uh, therefore uh, maybe, uh, or maybe uh, you never know. But uh, according to this, it, it all kind of fits in because this guy becomes what they would consider Sheriff Vanth of uh, of Tatooine and fighting the uh, what is it? Uh, I'll get the the Red Keys, the Red Key uh, Consortium, or the Red Key Company, which is uh, a mining company that mines spice on uh, Tatooine. So he goes out and he starts to fight the the good fight. So as you would say, throughout the aftermath series, and they kind of leave it at it's very vague. It's just part of the interludes that go back and forth, back and forth, um, that you just show up and see every once in a while. But he actually rescues in in the books. He actually rescues the. Um, uh, the uh, Rancor uh, caretaker, and they find another hot slug that's a baby, and he gets the Rancor uh, caretaker to take care of the new slug, and they, they now they have a hut. So could, could we kind of could we make that Rancor keeper uh, Fester? Yeah, well, he's got a name somewhere. I'd have to find Malakili. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, now I don't we- know. I can't see this. I can't see this TV show being the adventures of this Rob Camp, Bob Camp guy and Malakili and little little baby hut it's what Rhoda the hut stinky 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 the hut <laughs> no wow. but I if it is just him though and they don't pull in the other stuff um, or, or that other stuff is so minor mm. looking at this picture you can you can see it, it's not perfect Mandalorian armor it, it looks like it's stuff that's been pieced together well, yeah well that, and that and that's kind of where when I saw when I saw the picture you know, and I'm looking at it now. When I saw the picture, I mean, again, it it it, it had said. Uh, I'll read you a quote directly from the book. It said, uh, uh, "Look at this, holding it up, Mandalorian battle armor, whole box, complete set. By the looks of it, it's been through hell and back. I think my boss will appreciate this. I mean, that's one of the one of the things right out of the story. So that's the box of Mandalorian armor that this guy Cobb Vanth finds and takes with him after he." Uh, you know, dispatches some of the more unsavory characters. And uh, so, I mean, it, it could be, it could, I mean, because this guy is supposed to be like a, a good character and, you know, or, you know, you never know what he's going to turn right. out to be. But, but here's, here's, here's my wild theory. This guy is Sabine's brother, and he's Ooh. going out to try and find his sister who disappeared with Ahsoka trying to find Ezra. And so he's wandering the outer rim trying to find out word from him. That's my bet. <laughs> With Dave Filoni directing the first episode, it could be. You, you I, never know. I'm noticing, too, the holster. That looks like the same type of, almost the same type of rifle or sawed off that Boba Fett uses for his main weapon. But it looks like this is holster, ho- being able to be holstered as opposed to just shoulder slung. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it's a modified, a modified like shoulder sling holster. Yeah. You know, I, and the, yep. I'm excited for this. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I can't I, wait. I am too. I'm really excited. 
I'm I'm not as excited as I as I thought I was going to be, uh, but still at the same time, I think it's very interesting. Um, well, that's because you're I, lame, Jimbo. Well, <laughs> but uh, no, I I really thought I, I was getting all excited. We we were talking about it, and on one of the on one of the episodes, and you know maybe uh, one of the other podcasts, um, we were talking about. You know, we were getting excited because we hadn't known what they were going to do, and so we're getting excited about the the Mandalorian backstories, um, and coming from like kind of that perspective and going forward, you know, a little bit different, a little bit time shift jump, uh, rather than this. But I, I don't know. I think this is pretty interesting too, and I like the I like the scene so far. I like this angle. I really do. Seems like it, it'll be really cool. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's perfect for what it's designed for, right? As far as with launch right. of everything, it's it's accessible, it's iconic looking, iconically Star Wars, um, but it's also not something super crazy out there. Um, I think it's a really smart move. Like, yeah. this, this is a good, yeah. this good way yeah. to launch it. And and it, yeah, and, and, all, and also you're not treading on on you know on on preconceived characters. That are already kind of like out there, right? Yeah, kind of creating your own thing. Thanks, and saying, goodness. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, too many. I, I hate to say it, too many things have been gone over, and you know, yeah, killing the sacred cows off, and in and yeah. the past movies has just been. It's been it's been awful. I mean, it's just been causing a lot of, you know, a lot of rancor. Amongst the, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, amongst the Star Wars fandom, so it, it it's really kind of cool that they kind of taken a different story with familiar characters, but not like you know, you know, not characters that we all know and love, and then you're gonna treat them like a rag doll and just throw them out. Well, having 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 somebody show up here and there, especially like a more ancillary character, like and for Resistance, going back to again, like the fact that it's more of a kids show, like I'm cool with BB-8 being a main character in that show because it's BB-8 and it's for kids. Like I get it, right? But to to differentiate itself and with the other, you know, more mature quote unquote Star Wars stories, like. Dude, I don't want to see a Skywalker anywhere near this. I don't want to see. I'd be okay if I don't see Jedi's for a long time in this. Yeah, so, like, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I don't want to see Han Solo's brother. I don't want to see or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But yeah. like you mentioned Sabine, like I'm cool with that because I think that's a super interesting um, bringing in those type of characters because again, they're not that. I'm just I'm good on on Skywalkers for a while, man. Like, yeah. yep, totally. Well, and as we're recording, apparently today, Favreau teases us yet again with a better picture of the rifle. <laughs> oh, wow. And where did you find this? From his Instagram. Ooh. And that is the rifle from the animated feature. Or the uh, <laughs> holiday cartoon. Holiday <laughs> special cartoon. Oh but it, actually, it looks a lot cooler in real life. Yeah. Hey, if he rides a giant like creature, I'm, I'm I'd be okay with that too. You can bring that back. Well. <laughs> a big dinosaur thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that a crate dragon? I don't know. If only we could have a B. Arthur in it. <laughs> There's a cameo I wouldn't mind either. Well, since she's not around anymore, how about Betty White? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when 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 looking for a golden girl, you take what whichever one's above ground. There you go. So, well, that's going to just kind of bring us to a close. Final thoughts about The Mandalorian or Resistance? Whoever wants to jump right. first. I'll say it again. I'm excited to where Star Wars is heading, man. Me too. Yep, definitely. I'm, I'm very excited myself. 
I've got one question that I haven't heard anyone bring up on a lot of the podcasts I listen to. I haven't heard anyone bring this up yet, but uh, we'll Kaz was a pilot. We'll, we'll make it a Wookiee Radio exclusive, though. <laughs> Kaz is a pilot in the New Republic, right? Yep. Did, yep. did he defect from him to join the Resistance? I mean, is he like AWOL? Are they, is he in trouble for that? Or did he like do a formal I, resignation I, to quit? <laughs> I actually had the same thought myself. And I'm not totally sure. Well, the, um, his his wing his wingman left. Do they think he died? <laughs> Super dark. Well, oh, I mean, if yeah, he report in, they'd be like, you know, hey, we maybe. haven't heard from Kaz. I guess he died. <laughs> well, because um, they may think so, but remember, he does contact his dad even as scramble. As, so his dad would tell him, well, he's over with. The resistance. If he hangs up on his dad. I want. To, I mean, Leia might. I think it'd be more likely that Leia would be the one to almost quote unquote pardon him from the New yeah. Republic. You know, that's total fan theory there. But yeah, the other. So my thought was. So my thought was that he did. He did. Well, not get left behind, but he sent the rest of his squad away, and then Poe Dameron came. But none of them know that Poe Dameron saved him. Right. So they they might think he died, which would be kind of dark. But <laughs> or I don't know. Like what I would say at this point in time, mm-hmm. he would he's defected or has defected. I mean, he's only got to wait six more months, and then the Navy's gone anyways. They get blown up. It's <laughs> 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 true. Government's gone. Nobody's gonna, you know, give him a court martial in. <laughs> of course, he doesn't know that. But <laughs> yeah, but or, or unless, 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 uh, as they say, he's a spy. You know, you never know. He could, uh, you know, he could be pulling double duty. You know, as a new republic, a new republic spy and a resistance spy all at the same time. Yeah, you never know who, who who's pulling the strings. I don't think, but I don't think he was really a a spy for the new resistance. I think he was just a messenger carrier. No, I mean, I mean, they keep uh, they keep uh, you know the official Star Wars you know stuff always refers to him as a spy for the Resistance. So I don't know if he's officially right. like a spy or if he re- could just be for the Resistance, not the New Republic. Well, you never know. I mean, he could start it out as a New Republic. I mean, he he spy. was passing intel from the New Republic to the Resistance. Right. That's why I say he's just a carrier. Because the big the big thing he mentions on the Colossus is I'm a spy. I, I this is new to me. I don't know how to do this unless that's part of the cover. Yeah, he seems pretty genuine about not knowing anything about except flying. <laughs> well, hello, spy. You know, I mean, you never know. I mean, it's, it's something interesting to see. You know how the how the story will progress, but maybe that'll maybe that'll fill in the backstory, or maybe you know maybe that's that dark side that everybody kind of has that nobody wants to talk about right away. Yeah. Now the real question is: Is who's the first order spy on the Colossus? <laughs> somebody's their spy. I'm assuming they've revealed that person yet. Like we, they've shown them, but we don't know yet. Or do you think they're going to introduce a new person? Well, if you want to do like a super twist at like end of season one, revealing who the spy was, it would be somebody we've already met. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's Bucket. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Bucket wants to pay for some upgrades. <laughs> the first order just promised him a shell. It's all he wanted. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 hey, Bucket needs a new, Bucket needs a new set of skins. You know? <laughs> well, I pass a couple things over to the new order. What? what who am I hurting here? It, it's, a it's nice shiny black skin. It's Nebku. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> it's just we don't realize it. That could make actually. I can see that in a way. So, uh, any any final other final thoughts or comments? Well, I'm excited to uh, to finally actually watch it. I haven't had the time, but I've seen little bits and snippets and like you know some of the interviews and stuff on on Disney. So, I'm really getting excited to see that. But uh, the Mandalorian really has me interested now. You know, especially, uh, you know, now that I kind of know that it's a character possibly that we know, you know, from from some stories that I've already read. So getting excited. I like the way Star Wars is going. I think there was a lot of new information, you know, that, uh, you know, like new stuff that's been coming out. And of course, as we, you know, get along to, you know, more to the fall season, we're getting ready for the countdown to, you know, you know, episode nine. So almost a year away. Yep. So, well, if that's going to wrap it up for us, I want to thank John, Jim, Stephen for joining us this week. Um, it's always a pleasure when you guys are on with us to do these type of roundtables. Uh, Ken couldn't make it because he was well, playing poker with Kylo Ren. <laughs> um, actually, he had commitments that he's at where he has no Wi-Fi. Ooh. Yeah. Jammed. Yeah. Raspberry. Or so he says. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, too. Um, but hopefully he'll be back with us next week. Uh and of course, with, with John, we never know when he comes back, but it's always fun when he is with us. Um, <laughs> and, and this is what our third Smugglers Alliance, and I'm digging it. I'm having fun with you guys with this. Yeah, this is I mean, it, fun. It, it's, it's great. So check out Roco Depot. Listen to uh, Falcons Lounge over on New England Society of Geeks. <laughs> check out John's awesome work over at Marvel with his action figure variant covers. Mm-hmm. Loving the new uh, Ghost Rider cover that comes out next week. Um, and, and I and I love the the job of the hut cover. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Can't wait yeah, for that, that to cool. show up. Um, but now, check John out as well, because even some of the covers he's done recently that aren't action figure variant covers are absolutely the bomb. Uh, I can see why Marvel's keeping him busy. <laughs> and that's a good thing. So, um, so that's going to wrap it up for us. There's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.